0: hello and welcome to the artistry i am your host canary t robot today we have a well, he calls himself funny um, comedian on our show. Uh, he goes by the name Eric Escobar. Hey. Eric. Hey. Hi, What's Eric. <laughs> Hello,
1: Canary Two Robot. How you doing?
0: Doing good. You sound like a robot more than I do, but
1: slightly, slightly. I'm getting over a little something something, so my nose is very like nasally and robotic. I guess robots have a lot of nasal problems. I assume.
0: Yeah. Actually, as as speaking as one, I actually do have a lot of nasally problems.
1: Ah, uh, Musenix, yo. New
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Eric, tell us, what do you do?
1: So, I am a, uh, a stand up comic. I, um, I travel around and tell jokes. Um, primarily work clubs, uh, but I also work some theaters and colleges every once in a while, um, some corporate events. Uh, kind of wherever I can find work. But yeah, um pretty much just a touring stand up comic who travels all over and tells little bit jokes from place to place.
0: Now, Tell us, how, how did you get started with that?
1: It's, uh, it's been kind of an interesting journey. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I was playing football uh, for a team. And I want to say it was like raining one day, or the coach was like, for some reason, um, practice was canceled. And I kind of just was waiting around for my ride. I was like 14, couldn't drive. I think my mom was giving me a ride home or something. And um, I stumbled upon the improv team at our high school. So I joined it for a practice. A uh, couple days later, I quit football, joined the improv team full time, started doing uh, plays with our uh, theater um, at school. And that kind of led me into um, the world of comedy, and the world of performance. Uh, we had this amazing improv coach. His name was Tom Clark. Um, still a little guy to this day, very, very, very funny comic. He was our improv coach specifically for our high school. And I remember um, him talking about stand up, and I remember. One time I'm trying to coordinate, like, a workshop and trying to see if maybe, you know, he can come to and do, like, an improv thing with us. And his reason was, like, oh, you know, I can't do it that day because I'll actually be on tour doing stand-up in um, South Africa. And that, that was, like, a <laughs> bad excuse. I was, like, what? Like, so I'm, like, oh, no, I have dinner plans. You're, like, no, I'll be performing in another country for money. I was, like, that's so cool, like. I wish I could do something like that. Um, so yeah, that's, I think, when it, it first put my mind that, you know, stand-up with something that was really cool, something attainable, like, um, with, you know, almost any kind of, like, big job, like, you might be like, oh, well, it'd be cool to be an astronaut, but I'll never be an astronaut. And then you might meet someone who works at NASA, and you're like, oh, geez, this is, like, attainable. People do this. And that was kind of, like, my aha moment when um, I met Tom. Uh, I think I tried, like, an open mic when I was, like, 18 in a local club, and it went horrible. Um, I tried another open mic when I was probably about 20 years old. So at the same time I did it was actually an open mic at our college where everyone else was, like, a poet or a musician. So it was very, like, oh, this is so weird, and I don't even want to here. but I got three jokes, and oh, uh, here you guys go. I'm going to go back and illegally drink Natty Light in my dorm now. <laughs> um, and then uh, well, I was about to oh, okay.
0: or... Eric, I-, I gotta stop you. Can you mind uh, uh, twisting the uh, machines on your uh, robotic voice? It's starting to be with sound more robotic than normal. Oh, yeah. no. A little better? A, a little right. uh, more far away, I think. Oh, how about this? That's a bit better, yeah. Oh, sweet. Okay, cool. So that out. Or Just a little uh, t- t- touch closer. Hello? There we go. Much better.
1: Oh, perfect. This is the the place I'll hold the mic. <laughs>
0: there you go. <laughs> but,
1: I, yeah, so I, I did an open mic when I was about 20 years old, um, my college. And then after that, I want to say... I didn't really do stand-up again until I was 22 when Tom, my improv coach, actually was teaching um, an improv, or I'm sorry, a a stand-up class. So I took that class. Out of that class, I did a little showcase, had a good little, you know, five-minute set under my belt, had some jokes, knew what jokes were, knew kind of what to do. Um, That ended up turning into doing a couple little bar shows. Those bar shows turned into auditions of clubs. Those clubs turned into paid work at clubs. And then um, ever since then, the ball just started rolling, and... You know, four years later, next thing you know, I'm working a standard Comic. And it's been an amazing ride and a, really a dream come true ever since. Wow.
0: I love interviewing, uh, like, creative professionals like you because I will ask one question, and all of a sudden you'll answer, like like a lot of people I've interviewed, you'll answer, like, four more questions. I'm like, dang. <laughs> just...
1: We ask the question, I'll give you two words, and then all the other questions, will
0: just lock in. <laughs> no, I, uh, I do have a... Uh one question um would you recommend uh taking class or comedy classes or uh, improv classes or improvisation for people who do not know the lingo out there uh to people who would like to be comedians one day or Uh
1: yeah you bring up actually a couple interesting points um I think a lot of people watch stand specials on Netflix or Comedy Central or HBO and they're like I want to do that um I guess I got to take an improv class and what's really interesting is I love improv so much. I started in improv. I'm currently on a improv team. I just got back from actually an improv show about 10 minutes ago. Um, it's, it, it's an amazing, wonderful thing, and I love improv so much, but it is very, very different from stand-up. And I think if you are looking to do stand-up comedy, um, you really have to look for a stand-up class or a class that specializes in stand-up and really do your research on what the teacher's doing, what the teacher's all about. Are they a comic that works throughout a lot? Are they a comic that does a lot of stuff on TV? Are they, um, a stand-up comic, but their main thing is, you know, they're an actor, they do sitcoms. Um, really figure out what you'd like to do. And sometimes that means taking an improv class and a stand-up class and an acting class and kind of finding, like, oh, which one do I like more? And then kind of do your research and run with it that way. Um, just because I know so many people who are like, stand-up, I'd love to do that. I want to take an improv class and like, whoa, this is not stand-up. This is so different. Um, if anyone is interested, though, in doing any, you know, art form, I wouldn't just limit it to, to comedy or improv or stand-up. Um, I'm a huge supporter on... Um, Find your passion. Uh, if something that makes you happy, you know, dive into it. Go full force, because, you know, life is short. And if you love doing comedy, um, I highly recommend uh, starting out taking a stand-up class. Or if you love improv, you know, take an improv class. Because it's, it, not going to lie, you know, it is a very harsh world. And I think it's best to have a little bit of a basis and know a little bit of what's going on before you immediately start, you know, auditioning for clubs or immediately start, you know, sending out a tape of you doing stand-up in your living room to TV shows asking, you know, if they need a comic on Jimmy Fallon or, you know, late night or whatever. Um, Just kind of figure out what you want to do. And once you think you have a good grasp on it, just run with it and don't look back. Because if you look back, it's going to be so much nicer to be like, oh, yeah, I could pay rent at one point. Oh, wow, it was nice eating anything other than that food. So, yeah, just, um, yeah, go for
0: it. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I started for this podcast, because I do believe people should start their – or go after their passion. And But sometimes people don't know how to go after it. This is why I'm like, yes, I can, I, I think this podcast could work for people. <laughs>
1: Like, kind of like what I said earlier, I think comedy was always something that I really enjoyed. I remember being a kid and um, we had these, like, VHS cassettes of, like, Laurel and Hardy and they were, like, black and white and they were, like, super old. I always thought they were so funny but I never even remotely considered, like, oh, you know, this this comedy thing that I grew up with and this thing that I see on TV every once in a while, like, that could be something I could do until I met other comics, until I met, you know, an improv coach who did comedy as this full-time thing. And I was like, oh, wow, but yeah, this is, this is something I could do. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of people don't have that aha moment, and it's, it's kind of rare to have an opportunity just to be like, oh this thing that I love, I can be a part of that community, I can do this as a job. Yeah, you can. Just, you know, you might need to hear that you can do that or something before you dive in.
0: Um, now, what is, like, a typical day for you as a comedian?
1: Um, my, I would say a typical night because I usually get up around, like, noon. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Not, uh, correction. What is a typical night for you, like? Perfect. Night's early
1: morning. We can do that. Um, <laughs> It, it, it really depends. As a comic, you know, you really. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, you just tell jokes. And it's like, you know what? It's, it's a lot more than telling jokes. And that may sound a little pretentious. It may sound a little like, oh, yeah, it's bigger than that. But it really, really is. Um, you know, I'll wake up, and uh, a good chunk of my day um, would be writing, trying to generate material, maybe look on notes of a, of a show and open my head the night before, seeing how I can craft something a little differently. Um looking up uh news articles and uh, looking up uh what's going on currently and pretty much just writing jokes based off headlines, writing jokes and bits or ideas based off just current events that are happening. Um it, for a couple of reasons. Uh, reason number one, it definitely helps you generate material that's very current. Um you know, I could go on and on and on about like Bill Kill- Ah, Bill um, Clinton jokes. I have Bill Clinton jokes for days, but it's just not—it's not relevant. You know what I mean? What's What's the new stuff? Were you talking about?
0: It about has to be about Hillary now. Sorry. be about Hillary. All my Bill
1: Clinton jokes just replace the name with Hillary. So. <laughs> exactly. So it's out. Um, and the other reason is uh, a big part of comedy that I think makes people attracted to it, um, both the performer and both as a comedy fan or an audience member, is um, you really do feel a sense of connection. When you listen to comedy, because if someone tells a really, really dark joke with a really, you know, fucked up sense of humor and you laugh at it, you almost have a bigger connection and you laugh at it a little extra hard because they, like, they get you on that level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Or, you know, if you're married and a comic does a marriage joke, you know what I mean? You're going to really appreciate that joke because it's something that's a little more what you're used to, what you know. So really kind of researching and just figuring out what people are into right now, how can I connect with them the best? Um, That's kind of my style of writing, so I can really kind of navigate a way of really connecting with people opposed to just spouting out, you know, funny wordplay. Um, After writing some jokes, typically what I'll do is I'll begin calling clubs and emailing clubs, or calling and emailing to follow up, if not a cold call. Um, A lot of working comics, I would say some working comics do have um, a connection to an agency or they are managed by someone. But I would say a, a surprisingly large chunk of us are actually booking all of our own work. Um, I book all my own colleges. I book all my own clubs. I book all my own tours, all my own runs. And it isn't as simple as, you know, emailing a club and they're like, yeah, you know, we like you. Come on down. It's you, you know, you might email 50 clubs. Uh, Ten of them get back to you with a Maybe. And out of that 10, you might be able to book one a year to 18 months from that conversation. Um, it really is a lot of waiting. It's a lot of hitting a club, maybe trying to feature for them. A feature would be someone who maybe goes on before the headliner, but after the hosts. Um, and they're like, oh, well, you know, we would like for you to audition to us audition for us first. So, you know, you drive out four or five, six hours, you do an unpaid five-minute set for them, you drive back, they might be like, hey, you know, we liked your five-minute set, can you come back and MC for us at a, you know, a little bit of a lower rate? So you go back, maybe open up the shows for a weekend, you know, four or five, six shows, doing ten minutes. Um, you come back, you hit them up again, they're like, oh, yeah, sure, I think you're ready to feature. Or, hey, maybe can you MC another weekend for us before we move forward with you? So you maybe MC again, or you come back to feature. Uh, and, you
0: know, no, uh, just... pretend Pretend... Uh, I know what MC means, but pretend... Yep. To... What does MC mean? T- to... Oh!
1: An MC is basically, like, your host of the show. So, um, your standard show is kind of set up in a way where uh, an MC or your host comes out, and they might walk to the crowd for 10 or 15 minutes. Um, we have a guest set, so maybe it's a local headliner or celebrity or big comic in town, or maybe even, like, a new comic from close Trying Out. We'll do about 5 to 10... Uh, you then have your feature, or your middler. Your middler is going to do about 20 to 30 minutes, and then right after him, you have your headliner. Your headliner is where you kind of want to be. It's your name's in the marquee, you know, your your names and all the emails, they're blasting out to all their audience numbers. and um, it really is a ladder, because like I said, you know, you can start out doing a guest set, come back in six months to MC, maybe have to MC again, eventually they'll pass you to feature, uh, you end up featuring for that club, and if you do a great job featuring, you might have to feature again, or they can you know, streamline you right up to being a headliner, um, a process that could take anywhere from two years to five years, to even ten years, depending on the club.
0: Oh, wow. Now, I got a question. When you email these clubs, um, I know, like, actors have uh, headshots or uh, any normal job has resumes. What do comics do? Um,
1: comics typically will always have a series of clips they kind of have in their back pocket. Um, those clips, usually we just put them on YouTube and put them under private links. Um, We usually have a five-minute clip. Uh, A five-minute clip will basically be a a highlight of us going up and doing a five-minute set of our best stuff. You know, you want to get that clip at a killer club. You want the audience to really be on your side. And the way I do it, I'm, you know, fairly... I feel like I can fairly be confident in saying that other comics might do this as well. But I have a five-minute clean and a five-minute blue clip. Uh, Clean is, like, family-friendly. You can show this clip to a bunch of grandmothers and five-year-olds and parents and extremely conservative religious peeps, and they will say, hey, you know, this is all right, and nothing offended me. Um, I'll have that clean clip, and I'll also have a a dirtier clip, or the comedy community calls it blue. When you work blue, you work a little dirtier, of stuff that I feel... um, is my best five minutes, but doesn't really give me the restriction of this has to be very family friendly, this has to be clean. Uh, typically, most comics will have a five minute of the clean and the dirty. They might have a same thing, a clean and dirty, for a seven minute clip and then a 10 minute clip. And typically, most comics might have like a 20 minute clip in their back pocket just in case they want a long clip to see if you can sustain a crowd over a long period of time. Uh, you definitely send your clip, uh, you send a little bit of a resume. Um, what clubs really like to see, and a lot of places who book you, what they really want to see is um, TV credits or movie credits, and it's mostly because uh, the logic is, if um, Eric Escobar has been on Last Comic Standing and they can advertise that, a lot of people might not know Eric Escobar, but they do know Last Comic Standing. They may have watched that, so they are an extra, you know, ten to twenty percent of your audience. That will come out purely based on, here's a show you may have seen him on. Oh, I like that show. Yes, I would love to come out. Opposed to, oh, here's a name. You have no idea who he is. You know what? Let's just stay home. Let's just watch some Netflix. So um, those TV credits are pretty important. Um, A lot of clubs really, 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 really want you to have those TV credits. Uh, They're not mandatory, but they definitely help. Um, So that little resume combined with your clip combined with hopefully a Referral of another comic is kind of your your key in um, to get into a lot of places.
0: Now for comic, no TV's. It it is kind of local for here in Los Angeles, but Mm -hmm. for people out in America, is what's the next best thing if you can't get on TV? The next
1: best thing is honestly, it's I would say it's that uh, comic referral. I have had so many amazing interactions and it's been a lot of hard work, but also been very lucky to meet so many amazing comics who are current headliners and, um, you know, they're really hustling and they're really working and they're getting great bookings. And if a amazing headliner works a club somewhere and you're trying to bake into that club, it really, really means a lot. Opposed to just cold calling and being like, how do bookings work? So, um, kind of ask that headliner advance, hey, I'm trying to work this club. Is it okay if you recommend me or if I can drop your name? Just because that club might be like, well, if it's a random person, we don't know. But if, you know, Jack, the amazing headliner, who's been working working with us for years, who we really like and we really respect, is referring this guy or this girl, yeah, we would would love to put them up because, you know, they're getting vouched in by a respected person.
0: Nice. Okay, that's really good to know. Um, uh, I'm trying to think because again, it's amazing you're answering so many questions, and you're <laughs> you, the, the stuff you're saying is actually really fascinating to me. Like
1: it's it's a really interesting world. Like I, I don't want to say a lot of people, um, you know, non-comics like civilians <laughs> have said like, "Wow, comedy is so hard." You know, I can never do that. It's such a tough job, and it is. It's it's extremely <laughs> tough. It's extremely um, it's extremely difficult at times, but I, I would say that it's not. It, it is difficult. It is hard, but it's, it's more just weird. It's more just like a very weird industry that people don't really know how it works, and um, everyone's like, "Yeah, it, it's it's just it, it is fascinating because you know there's very very few other industries and very few other you know workplaces that kind of have this very unique feel." Of, of a little bit of politics, a lot of hard work, a little bit of you know knowing the right people, a little bit of um, you know breaking down your set, you know from five minutes to fifteen, to twenty, to forty-five to your hour. Colleges as opposed to clubs. It, it's just it's just a weird <laughs> industry that it, I think it is really fascinating. You know, the, the more I dive into it, to be like, wow, this is very different than like any job or any career um, my friends have or I've had, you know, previous
0: uh, now, I. Um, you mentioned uh, like TV credits as a way to get ahead, but I, I'm gonna let you brag for a second. What TV credits do you have?
1: <laughs> um, I will gladly brag. <laughs> um, I, uh, I was recently on a uh, season seven of Last Comic Standing. Um, it was really great. I didn't make to the finals, but I did get some airtime on NBC, which was great. Um, aside from that, it's you know there haven't been too many big things. I've done a lot of little web series. Um, I've done a lot of you know where you can see on like, Food Network or a couple things on Comedy Central, um, some things on BuzzFeed. Uh, most recently, the things that I'm kind of most proud of is I uh, was just a, um, a featured actor on this movie called The Bandit Hound, which was very low budget. It wasn't, you know, like a big theatrical release or anything, but it had uh, Lou Ferrigno and Judd Nelson and just, you know, big actors who I've always kind of looked in awe of when I was a kid and when I was doing theater in high school. And um, the most recent thing coming out is probably going to be uh, wrapped at the end of the year, probably released 2017, don't um, put me on that. But it's an amazing new documentary called uh, Where Have You Gone, Lou DiMaggio. Uh, Lou, DiMaggio <clears throat> excuse me. Lou DiMaggio is this amazing comic who came up in the 80s, and um, I'm talking, you know, he came up with guys like uh, Richard Belzer and Colin Quinn and Larry David, um, yeah, guys who, you know, big names in the comedy community. And he um, ended up leaving because, you know, he, he, he got a great job working in other parts of the industry, you know, he was writing, he was producing, you know, he had a family, so we kind of left stand-up, and this uh, this documentary is him getting back into stand-up, and I'm the young buck who's showing him the, the new scene, and, uh, you know, the comedy boom in the 80s was very exciting, but it's nothing like the current comedy scene that we have right now, you know, the game has changed very, very much, and... Working with him on this film has been absolutely amazing. It's given me such great insight into how it was before and how it is now. And just you know, it's it, it's an ever changing game. It's an ever changing industry, and things are very different than they used to be. But we're also hustling, we're also working, and we're all doing it for the love of comedy.
0: How is it different um, um, now compared to the '80s? Like, can you give some examples?
1: Yeah, one thing that he um that he talked about. And actually, I don't, I don't think I finished your past question um about like, what my day was like typically. But uh, Oh my gosh. It's, okay, it's okay. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. Which so is we'll
0: which is funny because it feels like you did answer that question.
1: But I was like, oh, it's, it's, but, it's, I'm like
0: it's, but I'm like but I'm like I I can I can I know like the world of comedy is just so un- like any entertainment job, it's very extensive, it's very complicated, and there's a lot that goes into it, just other, like you said, you said, other than just getting up on stage and performing.
1: Yeah, definitely, like, one point to that is, I was going to say, um, the... The nighttime part of my work when I'm not writing or submitting to clubs or trying to, you know, put things out there is, um, you know, doing a couple shows a night, doing um, a few mics a night, uh, open mics. And, um, you know, that that's your evening. You start around 6 or 7. And, you know, L.A. is an amazing town. Oh, New York is an amazing town. And I feel like there's a lot of great scenes other places in the country. But um, just speaking of my experience with L.A. and New York, you know, you can get up four, or five, you know, six times a night, even, through various open mics and various shows. And that's very much my night. And I think something that I really found interesting when talking to, uh, or working on this latest documentary, is we do those open mics and we do those shows because, one, yes, we love doing it, and two, it's a great way to work out material with these open mics, but also because... These shows and these mics are the places where you you meet your your brethren, you meet your coworkers, you you network, you um you know you do a show with a guy and that guy hosts another show over in Orange County or you know you do an open mic and some guy meet you the mic you're just talking to you know you're grabbing drinks you're just telling jokes um they might be running a show on the east side and you know it's a great show where you know you'd like to get on or you might be running a show yourself like I've produced a ton of shows in L.A. and it's been so great because like hey, I've been trying to get up at this club for so long. If you're booking there, could I throw you a couple spots on my show and you can throw me some spots at the club and we can just help each other out? And that's really the way to move up. Um, it's one way to move up, and I think it's a very, it's a very common route that a lot of us do because it's, it's a way where we can work out our material and just meet other people and basically network our way into getting to bigger clubs, into getting to better shows, into, you know, up in our career. Um, back in the 80s, something that I thought was fascinating um, just secondhand through people in the documentary was it was very much like, you know, you go to a club, you go to one club, you go to Capture as you go to the improv, you go to one club, and you do maybe a couple open mics there over the course of a week, or course of a couple of weeks. <clears throat> and um, usually the headliners who work that club would then see you, like you, and kinda of take you under their wing and mentor you throughout the process. And Uh-oh. that was one of the biggest, craziest things to hear because right now, you know, we're all we're all family, we're all community, but it's very much a a one a one common game. You know, you are working for you, and you don't really have a support system. You don't really have anyone else trying to help you out. You don't really have anyone being like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to try to get you all these shows and try to get you into these clubs. You really, there's a lot of politics with it. You really have to navigate your way through by yourself in a very lonely way. Where back in the day, no, you had your club that you could fall back on. You had a vouched headliner who was well-respected to kind of show you the ropes and show you, you know, what clubs to do and try to help you out get shows, um, it's just not like that anymore and it was so fascinating to hear that because since I've been in the game, it's very much been, um, me by myself trying to get as much as that I can for myself and definitely the way amazing people who I've met have, uh, you know, definitely helped me and I've tried to help other comics but for the most part it's just me, um, back in the day no you know you had that support system you had that mentor you had people who kind of let you know what to do and you weren't just free falling like you are nowadays into the scene
0: now i got another question again uh yeah. sort of like how uh like when you go into a job interview and you're not supposed to ask about the pay i'm gonna break that rule uh, <laughs> How did? When do you? How does the pay start to factor in? Because I have spoken to people who have started stand up and usually they'll do free gigs just to get notice. Um, is there a point when you do start to get paid or?
1: Totally, and this is this is the really, and I, I don't want to say this negatively, um, even though I feel like it's come across that way, but um, paying in stand up isn't great because. <laughs> We're doing this because we love it. We're doing this because we love that applause. We love hearing that laughter. We love being on stage. It's, it's the best feeling in the world. So because of that, um, if a club or if a venue approaches you, or you approach them and you're working out pay, um, you really don't have a lot, especially when two don't have TV credits or a big comic, you really don't have a lot to bargain with because if they say, hey, we're going to pay you, throwing out a number, Fifty bucks or hundred bucks to the show, and you're like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna driving out there. Um, you guys are a little far. Like, is it okay if I get an extra twenty bucks? Is it okay if I double that or something? More than likely, they're gonna say no because there are literally a hundred other comics who are willing to do that spot for that rate or even less, um, if not for free, because. You do it because you love comedy, you don't really do it for the pay, so everyone is willing to kind of outbid you in terms of, like, we'll do it for less, because that's just the nature of the beast. Um, As far as pay goes, when you start out, you're going to be doing a lot of open mics, you're going to be doing a lot of bar shows, you're going to be doing a lot of, like, weird basements and odd shows where you might not get paid paid. Um, very much speaking from my experience and my perspective starting in LA, um, I have really, really high respect for other scenes in, you know, Seattle and even Vegas and even, um, you know, parts of Texas or, you know, Connecticut and other, other scenes with amazing comics and amazing scenes and amazing places where they have great shows where they are paying out talent a little more if they're starting out. Um, my experience in LA is you're not really getting paid when you start out. Um, eventually you know, you might be able to do a bar show where you get a free tab uh, you, know, you get a couple of well drinks you get paid for well drinks a lot you get paid an appetizer a lot um, when you start working clubs more often your guest set is really your audition so your guest set you might not get paid for necessarily but it is great because that can lead to a possible weekend being that host or that MC it can lead to that weekend being a feature where the pay is really just all over the place for for clubs all across the country um i have MC'd for you know a couple hundred bucks a few hundred bucks for a weekend and then i've also featured for no pay um which is like the next level up which is really weird it's like well the features should get paid um sometimes you know obviously as a headliner you're going to be making uh bigger money um but it, it really is, is kind of a tough question to answer in terms of, like, what are the rates? Because, you know, even the standard rate to MC feature headline is going to fluctuate from place to place to place. And it also fluctuate on who you are. Um, you might be a new comic, and they might be taking a risk on having you MC but they have faith in you. So they might give you a lower rate that an MC who's been at that club for twenty years and has you know really paid their dues and really you know worked a lot of nights, they might deserve a little up. Uh, sometimes you get a flat rate. Sometimes you get the door. If you get the door, that means hey, you know, you sold out four shows this weekend and you're gonna get a paycheck or you know what? Um, uh, it's Valentine's Day weekend and everyone's out at dinners. I don't want people to are in comedy clubs. or We're uh, a town that kind of thrives off the local college and it's the summer and college is in session. So you're doing four shows, you know, 20 people or less a show, 10 people or less a show. And if you collect the door, you're not really making that much cash. Um, that's the clubs, but obviously you, know, you have corporate events that have Bigger rates. Um, colleges, in my experience, I've had the most success with as far as pay goes because colleges have pretty decent budgets, and I think they don't realize that you know we will work for five dollars and that gin and tonic, you know. <laughs> but they're like, oh, wow, well, you know, we have this in our budget, and if you want, you know, grand, couple of grand, you know, upwards, uh, that's something that we have for entertainment, and you're the entertainment. So here you go. Um, so it really is—it's it, crazy. I've gone. On runs and tours where you're making, you know, five bucks a night to, you know, a couple hundred a night, you know, back to just not getting paid, back to, you know, losing money on a show. Maybe, you know, you are co-producing that show or running out of room to put on a show and no one shows up and, you know, you're out a hundred dollars to the venue because you wanted to pick a show where you produce it yourself. So it really is just, you know, highs and lows, highs and lows.
0: Oh wow! Um, does that mean you have a you have a job off to the side, or um, other than being a comedian? Or and do most people most comedians do that? I would say most
1: comedians do have a day job or a side job. Um, I have been uh, very lucky. It's been a combination of luck and a lot of work, a lot of work, to be um, a full time comic for the last. I was I did full time for about a year, year and a half. Um, then I had a part time job. And then um, I kind of went back to being a full-time comic, and that's what I've been doing for the last you know, few months.
0: Nice. And
1: I think it's not... It, it's no... I would never tell a comic to go full-time and quit their day job. Um, and I don't. I think a lot of other comics m- might say, you know, I'm wrong in that. But personally, um, you know, you want to dive into it full force. You want to do it 110%. But just being a part of this and knowing how bad the money can be. Sometimes the money can be great. Sometimes the money can be amazing. You can, be, you know, surprised like what? I have this much of my bank account. Like it's never happened before. But, um, on the flip side, like more often than not, you're going to get a lot of poverty. You're going to get a lot of horrible pay. You're going to get a lot of bounce checks. And because of that, I, I I would not recommend someone to do comedy full time if they have a great job. And you know, found to take care of, rent to take care of, because it's really, it's really one of those things where you can't, you can't pursue your dream of doing stand-up if you, you know, don't have the money to go on the road or you don't have the money to go to festivals. And if you need that job, you know, run with that job and do it because that's probably going to pay more than stand-up at least for the first, you know, five, ten, maybe even twenty years.
0: Yeah, I know people who will be a comedian for, like, 15 years. I actually do know a comedian who uh, has done stand-up for 15 years, and he still has to keep a full-time job because of yeah. that.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's, it, that's great. Like, it's, that's awesome. You know, he has a job, and he can, you know, still do comedy and still get some mics and still, you know, do clubs every once in a while. But it's really – I think it's a big disservice to you, um, especially if you're a listener who – wants him to stand up just kinda quit their job and be like, Alright, I'm gonna be a comic full time because for me the money in stand up the money in up has always gotten better and there has been dry spells, but it, it never starts off when you're making a lot of money or any money. Um that, that those relationships you have with those clubs and those colleges, those relationships you have with casting agents, those relationships you have with bookers, they're just gonna get better and better and better and, you know, ideally the correlation is you'll hopefully make more and more cash to fund your life but it's it really is something that isn't immediate so if you gotta you know work for a few years or for 10 years or for 20 years on the side while you're doing comedy it, do it there's no taboo i feel like there's no disrespect in that i feel like there's no um there's no bash to you for doing that even though some people will be like oh i wish you this full time you can just do what you need to do first
0: <laughs> exactly now uh What are your plans to go from here now that you're working as a full-time comedian?
1: So, obviously, um, you know, the the TV credit thing that we kind of talked about earlier is, is pretty big. You know, in addition to comedy, I feel like a lot of comics are... Or I should say, a lot of comics end up doing acting because... They don't necessarily want a sitcom per se, or they don't, you know, want to be on TV. But, um, maybe it's just because it's going to help them in their stand-up career. Um, those TV credits really, really help you book to more clubs. They help you book to more colleges. They give you more gigs. And, um, you can want to be an actor full-time. That's great, too. But, um, I feel like a lot of comics are pursuing more TV roles so they can have better stand-up careers. And that's kind of where I am right now. Um, Still going on auditions, still getting those callbacks when I can get them, and just really hustle them to make sure that I do everything that I can to uh, continue the ball rolling for these clubs and for these bookings um, with that TV credit. Uh, I also feel like, you know, the beautiful thing in stand up is if you look at someone who's already big, like you know, they're throwing out there, like Louis C.K., for example, mm-hmm. um, Louis C.K. Is, is a comic, and he, and he did stand-up, and then he got TV stuff, and then he got movie stuff, and then he, you know, did bigger things, and he had a couple TV shows. And it's crazy, because, like, in this game, there is no endgame per se, there is no goal per se. Um, individually, a lot of people might want to, you know, end up being writers for late night, or they might want to end up being, you know, a TV star have their HBO special. But once they've achieved that, I feel like there is more that you want to do so it's kind of just right now um, my kind of current goals are just more bookings at clubs, getting more stuff on the road. Um, I, I do write as well. and I would love to write for late night. I would love to get into writers group for something. So, you know, writing more submission packets and fostering those relationships. Um, and really just kind of uh, looking at what I need to do to get to the next step and achieving those things and taking all the baby steps that I can because, you know that's life. That's not just comedy. It's going to be a lot of baby steps. It's going to be a lot of you know small little things that will eventually get you to your goal, opposed to you know you wake up and out of nowhere you have your comedy central special.
0: Mhm. Now, um, as as a comedian, do, do you think having writing skills does benefit you more? I mean, I, I mean you do have to write jokes, but um, I mean you don't need to know like, the syntax of grammar (laughs) in order to... Uh, I
1: think that they definitely go Um, hand-in-hand. I've always thought that something really cool about comedy is it's it's comedy, and the definition is so loose. Like, you can see someone do amazingly, beautifully, well-crafted one-liners and be blown away by the... The intelligence of their writing or, or, or the skill level of their writing. And then, you know, the next comic could be someone who likes to riff, and you're not maybe laughing so much at their material, but you're laughing at their brand and their personality, and you're really buying into this, this different thing that you're seeing that might not be well crafted jokes, it must be, you know, like a character or um, just a, a different way they do it. So, it, it all depends on the comic. It all depends on their point of view, and it all depends on um, their, kind of material, their brand. Uh, if you are a joke comic, um, and I consider myself very much like, I love my jokes, I like writing material, um, then, you know, that writing skill definitely comes into play and definitely helps me a lot. And all the comics you write, and all comics, you know, should have jokes as defined in one way or another. But, um, you know, some comics might do amazingly well, and they might not be, you know, writers per se, they just have a, a really great bit, or a great stick, or a great actor, you know, they're just so fascinating to watch because their stage presence, and their personality, and their movement is just so attractive. So, um, for me, to an answer your question, I think writing definitely helps, so I'm in love with writing, I'm in love with jokes, and the way jokes are crafted, and the way words can elicit that feeling out of people, but, um, that's very much for me personally. And there might be another comic that you can talk to, you know, tomorrow who would say the exact opposite. Like, yeah, I have ideas and I think about those ideas and I kinda of crapped my head, but when I'm on stage, I just kind of run with it. Um and they may have, be having a great time and audiences could love them as well.
0: Nice. All right. Let's wrap this up. Do you have any last minute advice for uh, any listeners out there?
1: Ooh, last minute advice. Um kind of thriller, you know, if you, if you want to do comedy, definitely try it out. Maybe it isn't for you, maybe it is for you, but you're not going to know you try it out. And um, it, it really it really is kind of grueling. It's a lot of hard work. You know, you sleep on a lot of floors. You, um, you know, barely have enough gas to make it to next gig sometimes. You know, you're working in parts of the country where it's like, wow, they really hate Latinos here. I'm in trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like, it's. It can be very, very grueling, but, um. You know, you can you can bomb for months. You can have horrible set after horrible set after horrible set. When I have that one standing ovation, or I have that one applause break, um, it really is all worth it, and it really is, uh, the best feeling in the world, almost drug like. And, um, it would be. It, it would hurt for you to want that and want to experience that and not do it or give up after a few months or after even maybe a couple of years, because, you know, you're not hitting that just yet. Uh, you will hit that. Um, you're going to have to work hard, uh, but you will hit that if you keep hustling through it and you, you just are open to learning and are open to dropping good jokes so you can learn how to write new ones. Um, and ultimately, like, it's that hard work. Uh, combined with just being nice to everyone you know. Um, In any industry, just treat everyone with respect, Um, you know, tell people you appreciate them, Uh, don't burn bridges, don't have any beef with anyone, because you never know. You know, that one person that you had beef with that you were mean to or that you, you know, put a mean tweet out to could be running a show on FX next year. Um, Or that one comic that no one was talking to that you decided to go over and, you know, just introduce yourself and just kind of talk comedy with and shoot shit with because, you know, they're by themselves. It's, it's that relationship that could lead to, you know, more work later. And, um, I hate to look at people in terms of like, can you give me work? Can you not give me work? Are you a value to my career? Um, don't look at it that way, but it would be, it would be foolish not to realize like, your community and those around you are the people that you're going to help out and the people who are going to help you out. And we are a community that's trying to help each other, even if it doesn't feel like that. So, um, if you're nice to everyone, like don't do it because you might be able to get work out of them later, but just do it to be a good person. And if you're sincere and genuine, um, you know, that karma definitely will pay itself back off later. If you're also putting in that
0: hard work. That's actually really good advice. I like that. And (laughs) then, uh, also, uh, Plug time. Where can we find Oh, yeah. You?
1: Um, yeah, on Twitter and uh, Instagram. My handles are Eric Escobar, but I'm Eric with a K. I do it, I do it right. Um, E-R-I-K-E-S-C-O-B-A-R. Um, if you look me up on uh, Facebook. I'm also on Facebook. i got a fan page there. I have some clips on YouTube. Check it out. Um, I uh, currently do not have uh, a set that's up where you just click down for maintenance. But um, if you follow me on my social media... Uh, Definitely give me a shout out. Let me know if you come into your town. Let me know if you'd like to see me. And, um, you know, definitely try to work something out. We try to get you some tickets or at least try to hang out after the show so we can talk about uh, how great Canary T-Robot is. Um, Yay! (laughs) This podcast is a part of the Benview Network.
0: You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.